Come on, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up all across this place for a few minutes as we transition. We're going to transition to the Word, but before we do, we want to just take this solemn moment. We don't want to rush it. Maybe you're in here tonight and you need a breakthrough. Maybe you're in here tonight and you need a miracle. Maybe you need God to show up in a situation and just push aside all the natural laws and just show that He's in charge. If not for you, maybe it's for a family member. Maybe it's for a friend. Maybe it's for this country of ours right now. Come on, would you right now just lift your head, lift your gaze, lift your hands. We're, we're, living, in, we're living in weighty times. We're living in a time when the spirit of the age in which we live, it's heavy, it's seems like just seems like sometimes we get carried along we just get carried away in the spirit of the age we go through a lot of the same struggles the same issues that unbelievers go through sometimes we wonder lord are you ever going to show up god are you ever are you ever going to move and i want to tell you tonight that god is on the move I don't just say that to stand up here and sermonize. I don't just say that to stand up here for some kind of a preacher cliche comment. God is on the move. And I'm going to give you some testimonies out of this message tonight. But this is such a solemn moment. This is so solemn right now. John Miranda, I'm going to ask you to sing that again. Oh, 
Come on, church. Let's one more time lift our hands. We're going to let these stay up here around the altar as long as they want to. The Lord's doing a work, and we don't want to stop that. We're going to transition to the word here in just a second, but let's, let's go ahead and pray. And just ask the Lord to touch this word tonight and just see what else he wants to do through it and through his spirit for the remainder of the service. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And already we have felt your powerful presence, God. We come in uh, with an expectation, with just um, a belief and a knowledge that we are loved by you, that you care for us. Lord, tonight we're just praying that this word that we are about to, to partake of, God, would just grip our hearts and minds for the days to come. That we would take it, we would be fed by it, that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, that we, that we would be built up on our most holy faith. And if you're in here tonight and you agree with that, I want you to say amen. Amen and amen. You can be seated. I'm going to be hitting several verses tonight, several different scriptures. Um, and I'm going to be teaching a little bit out of Job chapter 33. And then also I'm going to be going over into Exodus chapter 15. So if you want to tentatively get your apps or get your Bibles or whatever out, kind of have those passages on standby. We'll get to those in just a second. Um, you know what, let me, let me just start off by saying this, that we, um, we're living in a day and time where we hear reports regularly of negative things, of heavy things, of weighty issues, both on a global scale, a national scale, and maybe locally, maybe even so far down as your own personal life. And we get these things thrown at us on a regular basis. And one of the things that has captured my attention and the hearts and minds of so many people is obviously what's going on in Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, the humanitarian crisis that is going on over there as a result of uh, Russia's invasion. And just to go through a few things here, a few statistics and um, just some little news articles, if you want to call it that, little headlines pertaining to that. Uh, for me personally, and I don't know why, I don't know why that particular thing of all the stuff that's going on in the world, why that particular thing for me has been a heavy issue. It's been a weighty issue, what I see going on over there. Because at the start of that invasion, roughly a million people were displaced from their homes within the first uh, few weeks. Imagine that, a million people were forced to move, were forced to evacuate from their homes what they knew, their lifestyle, um, their families. In some instances, I've heard of cases where mothers were putting backpacks filled with as much food and provision as they could find and were literally sending them off in the, in the direction uh, west 
from the fighting and told him just to keep going. Just, just keep walking, keep going, get away from here. Imagine that a mother sending their child off to try and escape a war-torn area. About half of those refugees that were in the first few weeks were children. About half of them were displaced. About half a million kids were, were displaced. There was one story that I heard about a, a young girl that was unable to get her needed medication. She was a cancer patient going through different treatments whenever the, the war finally hit close to home. And instead of being able to have her cancer treatments, she had to evacuate. You know, that angers me. Anybody else? I mean, you know, in my flesh, you know, it, it does anger me. It grieves me. It's, it's a heaviness where you sit there and say, it doesn't have to be that way. And we hear reports coming out of all the different news medias where, where people say we're on the verge of a potential World War III. And it's not too much of a stretch to say that could be true. We hear of rumors that Vladimir Putin has put explosives and bombs around the uh, nuke reactors the, the, where they provide the energy, the uh, put explosives around the perimeter of nuclear reactors and using that as blackmail, telling them, the Ukrainians, if you come any further, we'll blow it. We'll blow this thing. And there would create such a radioactive cloud, you know, that it would just kill God. God literally knows how many. Only God knows how many would die from something like that. And then it goes on down the line where he talks about possibly using tactical nukes. Tactical nukes are literally just nuke weapons on the head, uh, on the head of artillery shells in many instances or where they're a small-scale nuke for tactical purposes as opposed to just obliterating huge regions. I mean, this, this is going on. Talk of this stuff is going on. Um, and, and, and then just recently we hear about even in the last day or two, how he has talked about putting explosives on a dam in some portion of Ukraine. The dam is two miles wide. And in Russia's retreat from Ukraine, said that he's going to put explosives on that thing and blow it. And they were talking about how many hundreds of thousands of people could be wiped out from that if they don't hurry up and get out of its path. Over 30 small towns and villages would be in the wake of something like that. Now, I'm, just, I'm giving you situations. I'm giving you stuff that's going on over there. But even on a local level, here in the United States, we see people that are going through things, suffering economically, inflation. Come on, somebody. If, if that hasn't hit home with you, God bless you. And I mean that. I mean, you're... But, you know, I even got a phone call from my financial advisor not long ago. And he said, hey, I want to come in. I want to talk to you about your retirement accounts because I know they've taken a heavy hit. I've lost 30% in my retirement accounts. And that's nothing new. That's common. We're all going through this season right now. We're going through perilous times. Somebody say amen. We are, we're seeing silly woke agenda stuff even hitting right here close to home in Bible Belt USA here in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We're seeing goofy things, silly things that we maybe thought we would never see come to pass, but they're coming to pass. And, and sometimes it is easy to feel like you are just simply being swept along by the spirit of the age. 
Like we're just caught up in this current and we are fighting it and we're pushing back against it as best we know how, but it seems as though it is powerful and sometimes we don't know what to do. And I don't know about you, but there's times where my heart needs to be rescued from this stuff. Where I have to do a hard reset. Somebody say amen. Where I just have to stop what I'm doing and I have to go turn on some praise and worship music or I have to do something just to counter the negative that is constantly coming at us because it will reframe and restructure your thought. And if you're not careful, you will get to a point to where you, you get frustrated with God to the point to where you feel like, God, you've got to do something. It's almost, it's almost out of a righteous, holy indignation where we say, God, you've got to do something. How could you let something like this go on? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then we read scriptures like what I want to give to you right now. Job chapter 33 Verses 13 through 14, they've got them on the overhead. And the question is asked, and this is the Lord asking the question, why do you take him to court for not answering anything a person asks? For God speaks time and again, but a person may not notice. It's almost as though God in that passage is saying, just because I've not told you what, and why I am doing things and allowing things does not mean I am not answering prayer. It's God coming back and he's throwing it back in our face and he is saying, why would you ask me a question like that? Who are you to indict me and take me to the heavenly courts? Then it goes on and let me read a few more verses here, verses 15 through, through 19. And this is what it says. And let me just hit a pause button right here. When you hear people say that God speaks to them in dreams or maybe God spoke to them and he rattled their cage at night or he, God scared them to death, he showed them a vision, they had a dream that just changed their life, altered their lives. I want to tell you, you better listen to them. Because God speaks like this. How do I know? Well, let me read. In a dream... A vision in the night when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber on their beds. He uncovers their ears at that time and terrifies them with warnings. This is God doing this. This ain't the devil. He says in order to turn a person from his actions and suppress him and suppress his pride, God spares his soul from the pit. His life from crossing the river of death, a person may be disciplined on his bed with pain and constant distress in his bones. So sometimes God will allow calamity, utter calamity to befall us and come upon us to get our permission to save our souls, to keep us from going in a direction we don't need to go. And so when we read verses like this in the context of what I'm talking about, just because we pray and we don't see God intervening, in other words, God seems to be allowing things to happen that cause pain, 
that cause hurt doesn't mean God is not intervening. Let me give you a few testimonies. And this came from um, a, a ministry team called The Summit that supports a lot of humanitarian aid in Ukraine and different places around the world. You go back to that example I gave you. There was a, a pastor in Ukraine by the name of Pavel, P-O-V-E-L, Pavel. He was giving some updates on what God was doing in Ukraine. And even though we don't often hear good news, God is up to some phenomenal things over there. Let me just give you a few of them that might seem small and insignificant, but they are legitimate miracles. How many of you are ready to hear about a legitimate miracle? For example, one of the food distribution centers that this particular organization sponsors, they had made mention that there was a cook that was all of the sudden unexpectedly confronted with 100, roughly 100 refugees that showed up out of nowhere, starving, hungry. And all this cook had was five kilos, almost 11 pounds of macaroni. That's all she had. And as she began to pray about the situation and prepare, every time she would kept scooping macaroni on the plate, it just kept reappearing. She fed over 100 people to their fill with 11 pounds of macaroni. Now, I know that's a small, insignificant thing, but let me ratchet it up a little bit. There was a pastor, Igor, who testified that as Russian rockets were coming into the town where he pastored and near the church building where, where his church was located, they would hear the rockets coming in and they would begin to pray. His church people would begin to pray and the rockets were literally disappearing in midair. They would hear him screaming in and blah, gone. There was a Ukrainian soldier that testified this. He says, and he's talking about in actual combat, moments of combat. He said, it's as though an invisible hand takes bullets and, sh and shells and swipes them away from us. He said, we ourselves are able to see in complete darkness. And when the enemy can't see us, even with their equipment, we can see them. And he said, we instinctively know what we should do and how to do it. He said, we believe that the Lord Jesus is with us, helping us. And this is what his charge was. He said, keep praying, church. We need the church of Jesus Christ to pray for us. God is on the throne. Now, we don't always see it. We don't always hear about it. It's not going to make the mainstream news. But God is moving and God is answering prayers. And he's moving to the point that even though we question him, he doesn't need our approval. 
He doesn't always answer the prayers like we think he should. He doesn't owe us an explanation. Should we really complain? Mm. This struck me. Because when we read in the news and we hear things about a madman in Russia and what what it is that he is doing and what it is we think God should be doing, it's hard to keep a song in your heart. It's hard to celebrate. And oftentimes our singing, our times of celebration, a song in my heart, our, our, our singing comes on the heels of complaining. It's hard and it's easy to go from one moment of singing and celebration to the next moment if we're not careful to complaining. How many of you know that's true? Now listen, we're not fighting in Ukraine right now for our lives. We're not over there fighting for our loved ones. We're not physically fighting those kinds of fights, but each of us is fighting something in our hearts. Each of us is battling something, doubt, fear. Maybe you're going through a physical illness, a physical sickness. Maybe it's some kind of a relationship thing. Maybe it's something in your finances that has so consumed you and you have pleaded with God and you have begged God. And if we're not careful, we almost indict God. We bring him to court, bring him up on charges. We've all done this. In any fight, there are going to be victories and losses. There are going to be singing and there's going to be complaining. But I think one of the things that really strikes at me is how close are the two together? How close are the two together? In Exodus chapter 15, I told you I'd get to that in just a minute. In Exodus 15, there are two words that appear in Scripture for the very first time. Those two words are... Song and complain. Song and complain. In fact, this Exodus 15 is also the very first song that is recorded in Scripture. I don't think that it is a coincidence that God would allow those two words for the very first time to be put in Scripture together. You see, because this chapter points out that the complainers were recent singers. That convicts me. Come on, somebody. That convicts my heart. It's a song. This chapter is a song. You can read it for yourself. I'm going to read portions of it in just a minute. But the whole chapter, it is a song about God intervening in an impossible situation. Israel had just crossed the Red Sea. That's how verse 1 opens up. It's given a description of that. They had just come through the Red Sea scenario. Not long before that, they had also witnessed God's hand of destruction all over Egypt and the plagues that he had put on them. In verse 1, they were celebrating, they were singing, and by verse 24... They were complaining. It seems like every time that there is a Red Sea crossing in our lives, 
In other words, us going through an impossible situation and there is singing and there is celebrating, all of a sudden there's another Red Sea to come. How many of you know that's to be true? Maybe you're going through an impossible situation personally. We went through them as a church. We, on and on and on. I'm, I'm not going to give a laundry list of the different examples, but here's what we need to understand is that we need to be equipped to celebrate as God provides miracles, but at the same time be ready to face battles when they come on the heels of each other. How many of you have ever just had God do something miraculous and awesome and powerful only to immediately step right into another hornet's nest? Yeah, look at the hands. We've all seen situations like this. So how long did it take? This, this convicted me. How long did it take these people in Exodus 15 to go from singing and witnessing a miracle you know, a powerful sign and a miracle like the splitting of the Red Sea. How long did it take him to go from that to complaining? Three days. Three days. It's interesting when you go back earlier in Exodus chapter 3 verse 18. God, through Moses, Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, Hey, I want you to allow me to take the Israelites into the wilderness for a three-day journey to get them away from Egypt. Why would they do that? Because he was trying to get Israel away from all of the familiar surroundings that they had. Get them away from all of the godless distractions, the Egyptian gods, all the false things. And God was saying, I want, I want to get them away three days' journey so that they would forget all of the godlessness and that they would really connect with me in the wilderness. I don't know what it is, but there's something about three days. We see that play out all throughout Scripture. But, but let me move on for just a second. How long does it take me to go from singing to complaining? It's a question i got to ask myself. You would think that after a Red Sea splitting miracle that the impact of that would last a lifetime. Come on. I mean, where you've got millions of people that are confronted with an ocean in front of them and they've got an army behind them ready to kill them and God clears his sinuses, so to speak, and blows the thing apart and they walk across on dry ground, you would think that would be enough, especially after just seeing the plagues. Three days. Three days. Three days before they forgot the miracle. I had to ask myself the question, do the miracles in my own life disappear from memory that quickly? Do I go from singing and celebrating on Sunday and suffer amnesia by Wednesday? This example recorded in Exodus 15 in the Old Testament, it also is an instruction for us according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. You say, what's the parallel there? Because that's the famous verse where Paul speaks up and he says this, He that thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall. In other words... We want to sit there in judgment of the Israelites and say, oh, how ridiculous, how crazy, how could they do? We would do the same thing. 
capable of the same kind of things. And you say, well, Josh, okay, what do you have to do in times like that? Somewhere along the line, we have to develop a God confidence. We have to so develop our confidence in God, trusting and believing that God can do anything. He is powerful and I am loved and you are loved. And because of that, if he moved once, he will move again. There is no circumstance too big for him. You see, miracles are not to be forgotten because you're going to need them for the next battle. It's not even so much. I mean, it is, but then again, it's not. It's not even so much what God does for you in the miracle of the moment. I mean, we dance and sing and shout and all this kind of stuff. We enjoy it. It's a time of celebration. But God is saying, you've got to hang on to that because more battles are coming. And when those battles come against you, all of a sudden now you pick up that miracle. You pick up that testimony and now it becomes ammunition. It becomes ammunition. And let me just tell you, if you don't have any ammo on your own, start borrowing some. Man, I'm just, I don't have any. Give me your testimony. I love to hear testimonies. Anybody else in the house? You love to hear testimony. We're not talking about God doing something in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God does miracles today. He still does miracles today. You would have hoped that by this point somebody would have stood up and would have said, hey guys, if God did that for us three days ago, he can handle any situation we're dealing with right now. Any situation that we are struggling with, any situation that we're dealing with right now. How quickly we forget I guess it's part of human nature. You see, the real challenge, the real struggle in all of this is to go from strength to strength and not from singing to complaining. That's, that's, that's my struggle. How about you? That's the challenge, to go from strength to strength, to go from glory to glory. And that as you're confronted with those New battles, and they're coming. They're coming. You just start loading your weapon. You just start taking ammo. You start building your faith. You start lobbing those testimonies. You start lobbing your belief. Because, listen, the celebrating and the breakthrough, the miracle today, is really about the next difficulty you face. You will need that testimony to draw from. Instead, it will connect the last miracle with your present battle. There's, there's a connection there. Tell people your miracle story. How many of you have seen miracles? Come on. Tell yourself about the miracle you experienced. Well, Josh, I remember when God did this for you. Yes, Josh, I remember that too. Build yourself up. Encourage yourself. Any hardship 
or any miracle is not a standalone event. It preps you for the future. Notice in Exodus 15 that the people, one of the things you can do, that in Exodus 15 as you read in that, it points out that the people talk to Moses, but Moses talked to God. So here's a question for you. Have you really talked to God about it? Have you truly prayed? Because if you don't get the Red Sea experience right in your life, if you don't, if you don't handle that correctly, when you come to a verse 24 situation, well, you say, well, what was verse 24? Three days after the Red Sea experience, they came to another dilemma. They needed another miracle. They came to a place called Mara. They came to a place of bitter waters. They came to a place of muddy waters. Because if you can't get your Red Sea experience right, then your Mara experience is going to be a really hard fight for you. You build upon these things and it goes from strength to strength to strength to strength. You need those experiences. Understand that God's miraculous uh, uh, miracles, they're interventions for the next battle. Did you hear me? It's not just about helping you in your current circumstance. It is that, but it's also about your next situation. Because they will come. You've got to remember to carry it forward for, for you in the future. I want to start bringing this thing to a close. But I want to hit on a couple of verses. I want to hit on a couple of situations very quickly. Out of uh, Mark chapter 6. I told you I had several scriptures tonight. Mark chapter 6. And verses 51 through 52. This is the story, I know you've read it, but this is the story of Jesus walking on the water. I'm just, I, I want you to read it later, but let me just read these last two verses. He says, and then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. I'll hit on that in just a second. Instead, listen to what he says. He said, instead their hearts were hardened. Now, the apostles in this chapter, in these verses that I had just read to you, just prior to this, just prior to it, it wasn't even three days. I mean, it had, Jesus had no more shut the service down. Everybody went home. The disciples were crossing over the lake. Jesus was dispersing the crowd. So it says Jesus was dispersing. He was dismissing the crowd. The disciples went on. Jesus comes to the shoreline and he sees them struggling out in the middle of the lake. The wind had come up and they were rowing against it. Jesus, not wanting to take the long way around, did the God thing and walked on water. Save himself a little time. I don't blame him. And it even gives this description as though he, it says he was going to pass them by. 
He wasn't even going to give them a... He was just going to walk on and like ignore them and just keep on going. That's, that's kind of what it... And the disciples, when they see him, they're in full-blown panic mode because of the waves and everything. And they see Jesus and what is, what is going on here? I mean, we're going to die in the weather. And Jesus comes into the boat... And the moment that Jesus stepped into the scene, he got on the, the winds stopped and they were totally astounded. Now here's, here's, the, here's the implication, here's what the scripture infers, is that they were astounded by what had just happened, but it's almost as though Jesus was astounded too. It's almost as though Jesus was like, boys, I just fed 5,000 people. Right in front of you. Do you think this little windstorm you're going through is a big deal? Do you really think I was going to let that take you out? Did you not see me walking and strolling along on your storm like it was no big deal? Now listen, I am not trying to be heavy handed. I, I, I am not. What I am trying to show you is that when you compare your problem to a water walking God, nothing stands in his way. When it says that their hearts were hardened, some people are like, oh, man, what, that's terrible. What, that's, that, it, that's not what it means. It's not means that they were opposed to God. It just means that they were slow. This is what it means. It means that they were slow to perceive his power. And what God is trying to say to the church is, is that look, let's pick up the pace. Let's pick up the pace a little bit. Let's start believing for miracles that they're really going to happen. Not just that they can happen, but that they're going to happen. Let's not limit him to your past struggle and some one-off event, but that every time you find a Red Sea experience, God's going to blow his nose on it and split it for you. That's literally what it says. It says by the, by the breath of his nostrils, he blew the thing apart. That's all he's got to do. I told my Wednesday night class, I said, God blew a snot rocket and just cleared the water. You should have seen the looks. That's all he's got to do. The challenge for us is to remember, is to remember the miracles in the face of challenge. You got to remember your miracle in the face of your challenge. How many of you have challenges? Would you go ahead and stand tonight, please?